Eleven Dubcast. Welcome to the Eleven Dubcast. Yay! We we look slightly yeah. better. Yay! Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so Ohio State is off a thunderous what thirty-eight to twelve victory, I believe. Is that correct? Yes, John. I was at a wedding, so yeah. 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 So I, I unfortunately had a uh, fall wedding that I had to attend. But it, to be fair, it was a very entertaining fall wedding. Uh, my good friend Ben Ivy got married, and uh, uh, she and her friends are uh, swing dancers. They're like really good at it. And I do all these other kind of like Glendy Hop and all that stuff. So like I got to see all these crazy people just like strutting their stuff on the floor while I sneaked uh, looks at my ESPN app on my phone. So uh, a really good time, and I'm um, you know I'm I'm okay with with missing it for my bud. So I'm I'm a little sad I didn't get to see a lot of underthrows though. I, I kind of missed out on all that fun action, unfortunately. So um, I don't know what's what's your take on the game? That like I said, incremental improvement. Well, my first first take I have is never get married in the fall. Don't ever do that. <laughs> Don't do that but to your so, friends and so honestly, family. Honestly, though, like, okay, I understand. No, I understand the argument. The, the, but there fall is, is no, like, there's no there's no counter argument. There is none. There's no, none. But fall is like the best season. Like I look, I have had several family members who have gotten married in the dead of summer, like the worst part of summer, like this August. Is, I went down is to new in I the went spring. To Everything is dying in the fall. Everything's new uh, and fresh please, in spring. Please, spring not, is don't, about don't, rebirth. Don't do this gawker media crap on me. Uh, we both know fall is the best season. I'm just saying, it is, I went, but not for weddings. Weddings, that's no. Cold. Look, I went to. I went to Columbus, Georgia for a wedding in the dead of August, like in the middle of freaking August, and it was the, oh my God, like everyone was miserable. It was an outdoor wedding. Why would you do that? I, I look, I would, I look, I'll, I'll, I'll take the hit. I'll watch a game at, after the fact so I don't have to like sweat my butt off in the middle of summer. I hate, I hate summer weddings. Yeah, I got married in May, so. Well, and that's and you know what? That's a good call. May's not bad. And my sister got married in May, and it was great, and it worked out really well. So I think May, springtime, whatever. I think that's legit. All right. So as for the game, though, um, yeah. It, no, let's keep talking about weddings. It started off. I'll refer, <laughs> I'll just refer you to Ramsey. You know. And yeah. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> uh, yeah. So here's the deal. You know, they came out, stopped them three and out, took over on offense, yeah. went right down, scored a touchdown. It's like okay, everything's fixed. Not so much. Right. Not so much fixed. Um, yeah. Then you know, Western Michigan got some things going, and you know, the the offense had some hiccups, and it's still well, they a work look, they in progress. Good in the first half, right? Yeah. Like they, the, the Western Michigan offense definitely looked good in the first half. Second half, I think, is a slightly different story. I think they definitely yeah, made the adjustments yeah. they needed to. I think they um, made some adjustments. I, I think the big thing though is it was kind of a tight game until until the diesel showed up and said, "You're not going to throw a screen pass over me." No, right. no, no. And then, right. you know, he got to rumble 20 yards and, uh, you know, and, and score a touchdown, which was cool because the coolest part of that was they show in Adolphus Washington on the sideline after that. And then the entire defense is just gathered around him. He's like, oh, yeah, he's like sitting on the bench, having a drink, cooling off. And everybody's like around him like he's the king and they're the like the court, you know, they're his court. <laughs> it was it was hilarious. But yeah, uh, I think he's a really well-respected guy on the team. I think people really, yeah. really root for him yeah. in the in the locker room. And, and honestly, it was an excellent play. Like, you know, watching it later on. I mean, the 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 athleticism really impressed me. That was not where it just like kind of fumbled into his hands. He's like, whoop, whoop, we're going to score a touchdown. Like that was excellent. Yeah, so it was good. That was cool. And in the defense, three straight games with a defensive touchdown. That's awesome. Yep. 
So, and they shut down. They basically just locked down Western Michigan in the second half. I, I still really like what the defense is doing. And I think the adjustments that they make when something isn't working are great. Like, Chris Ash, the guys they got, you know, Fickle, all those dudes have, I think they've, they've really got something going, uh, both last year and this year. And, I, you know, if you look at the statistics, the advanced statistics that, you know, adjust for strength of schedule and whatnot, High State's near the top of the country in terms of, like, total defense right now. So I think that's pretty, I think that's pretty awesome. I'm, I'm glad the Silver Bullets are starting to make a reappearance. Yeah, the, the cool thing for me was that to see that the execution starting to get there offensively. It's not quite there yet. But yeah. there was one play. There was one play when Zeke broke through, and one guy got him from behind by the foot. And if he didn't, you know, it was another long touchdown run. So well, it's and there just were a, lot a matter of, those, of cleaning right? up a I mean, few more things, a little bit better execution. Yeah, yeah. There were there were a few times where he could have taken it to the house, and and then there was also, you know, Cardale's got to just you know now that he's going to be getting more reps as the clear cut starter, you know, he'll clean up his execution a little bit, and then some of those long passes won't be underthrown, and I think the <laughs> offense will start to hum here a little bit. Yeah, and look, I mean, honestly, like, I have never really been worried that much about the offense. I, I always thought that the quarterback, whoever it was, was going to eventually get it going. You know, this is something that I really firmly believe, and that, you know, teams change, and, and that's okay. And, and we expected Ohio State to come out like gangbusters at the beginning of the year, but I don't think that happens anymore. I don't think you have a 95 Nebraska that just kind of rolls over everybody anymore. There's not... Like, there's just too much parity in college football. And, and there's too many things that teams can do to slow other teams down. And Ohio State's still undefeated, right? Yeah, like, as far as I, You know, like, as far as I know, they're still the number one team in the country, <laughs> still undefeated. I think we're doing okay. You know, so I'm not freaking out about it. I, I don't really think that I ever did. You know, I was at the Northern Illinois game. I never thought that, you know, they ever had a chance of, like, you know, beating Ohio State or even really being in the game that much because I was watching it. Like, I saw the defense just taking everything away from them. So, I don't know. I'm still pretty optimistic. I think we have a very interesting game coming up in Bloomington uh, because I think Indiana might actually be good <laughs> this year. <laughs> so, so I look, I mean, Indiana good, not necessarily good good, but still, you're playing at Indiana, which, again, is a nominal road game, but not really because it's going to be mostly Ohio State fans. But they can do some things to frustrate Ohio State as well. So I, I think that progression, if that's going to continue, we're going to see that next week. And, and that's something to really look out for, I think. Yeah, Kevin Wilson's got a very good offense. And, and you know, they've – granted, they they don't have uh, the greatest opposition to date that they've played no. against. But and, – And Ohio State is still, like, what, 21-point favorites at this point? Yeah, but I expect this game to be a two-touchdown or less game because, I, I again, yeah. I think that – that Indiana can do some things offensively. They're they're very good on offense. They've got the number one rusher in the country, uh, in Jordan Howard. So you know he's they went from Tevin Coleman, who was a great back, to, to Howard. Maybe Howard's not quite as as good, but the offense is humming just as good. So uh, the the offensive weapons for Nate Sudfeld are good. He's he's got one receiver Jones that he's Ricky Jones that's um, he's averaging like twenty three yards a catch which is kind which of ridiculous. It's like Devin, Devin Devin Smith-esque. Smith-esque. So he's a big, you know, home run threat and that kind of thing. Uh, I think the thing about Indiana, though, is that they've, they've found ways to play Ohio State close um, quite often in the past. Yeah, I like, I think that's the thing, like, especially last year, right, where it took a huge performance by Jalen Marshall 
to try to get Ohio State back in it, or uh-huh. at least to, to win the game. So I agree with you on that, and I definitely think that I want to see Jalen Marshall kind of emerge. There's been a lot of talk about you know Braxton Miller and the H-backs in general, and I want to see some more out of those guys this game. Absolutely. I think the receiving core has got to step up. That's That's the one area of the team that I think hasn't really emerged quite yet. Yeah, so hopefully we can we can see them get that going. I you know again it's in Bloomington, Big Ten season start, which I am always very excited for. I don't know, I just really enjoy the fact that we play the Big Ten teams. I know they, a lot of them are terrible, and you got Maryland coming up, which like who cares? But it's just it, it feels it feels right. It feels like football finally. You know, I, I like the out of conference games. I like the Virginia Tech games and things like that. But I really do relish the the Big Ten season and, and watching it progress. That's a lot of fun for me. Yeah, so I'm, I'm excited about this game. And the, the conference games mean something. I mean, the conference yeah. championships on the line. So you know, it all becomes a little more real. Right. It definitely does. And especially you know, if you're watching these guys again, like evolve and change, then. For me personally, it's, it's just a lot of fun, and this is really the proving ground. I mean, this is where we're going to see uh, where Ohio State ends up at the end of the year, I think, in the next like several weeks. Like, how are they going to change? What, what direction is this team going to go? And if Evermeyer is any indication in the past, uh, I believe that you know that 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 hand that that signal goes north, right? That goes up. Yeah. That, that that seems yeah. like something they're going to get done. Um, so I'm not super worried about it, and I you know I I think it's going to be a, a fun season even if they do like do something stupid and drop one. Um, <laughs> which they might, and we got to prepare for that, right? Oh, yeah, like, it, it could definitely happen. There's some tough teams on the schedule, and Michigan State looks very good. Mich- right. Michigan's starting to look like a competent football team again. Oh, and, my gosh. Uh, yeah. you know, and, and actually, Penn State's defense is getting like 10 tackles for loss a game, so their defense right. can hold them in the game. Who knows what could happen. So. Was there anything like that surprised you from um, you know this past this past week, like in college football? Was anything that surprised me? Um, I think it kind of surprised me that Oregon got absolutely drilled. Yeah. I mean, that, like that where was kind of surprising. Like where they just completely skunked. Yeah, they gave, up, they gave up 62 points on their home field to Utah. So yeah, that's where I started to think, hey, maybe Michigan's not that bad because, you know, they, they kind of hung in there for a while against Utah. <laughs> Utah looks like they might be a pretty good team, but – it, are they good or are they Pac-12 good? Because as I've come to find <laughs> out, is it, the Pac-12 still doesn't play any defense, and it's kind of hard to judge right. those teams until they until they you know get into the postseason. Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna see how that plays out. It's definitely seem, something to keep an eye on. Michigan, especially, is something to keep an eye on. It looks like they finally have a running game, which I don't think they've had in the past five to seven years. So that should be really interesting. And you know, I again, college football itself is interesting. So I'm I'm excited for how this progresses. All right, so let's do a little Ask Us Anything. Um, a little shorter this week, not as many questions, for shame. Okay. Uh, <laughs> shame. Uh, but, Michael, can you tell our good listeners how they can ask us anything? Twitter. Yeah. Uh, ask us on Twitter, Eleven at 11dubcast. Spell it out. That's the, the main way that you can get us, and you can do it in 140 characters. Or if you need to do, like, a little parentheses, one of two and two of two, you can do that. <laughs> um, but you can ask us as many questions as you like. And you can also email us the old-fashioned grandpa way, um, even though, you know, I'm probably old enough to be a grandpa, and I I didn't have email as a kid, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, dubcast at 11warriors.com is our email. Spell it all out once again, dubcast at 11warriors.com. Yeah, very good. I like, I like the radio voice that you brought in there. 
Uh, okay, so we've got some we got some questions here, and actually we just got one 43 minutes ago, like right as we started recording. So. Yeah. Another one here. Uh, I want to start. Let's tell you what. Let's start with the Twitter ones. This is from Eric Enriquez. I like that name. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, do you think Urban Meyer is just waiting for JT Barrett to really take a hold of the starting job? Yeah, next year. Yeah, yeah he's, he's waiting for. <laughs> I next agree. Year. Yeah, that's that's a yep. I think that would be my answer too. I think Cardale has has for for whatever you know. I'm I'm still kind of in that boat where I'm surprised that JT lost the job because it's like always been my experience that. You don't lose a job because you got hurt, and that's what it seems like happened to JT Barrett because he got hurt, yeah. and the next guy came in and won a championship. And it's like, how do you sit the guy down that's won a championship? And you don't want you know this split in the locker room and that kind of thing. So it's like one of those deals where JT is going to have his time to shine. So maybe that's the reason. Since they're so even, maybe that's the reason Cardio gets the nod. I'm not going to I'm not going to put those I, words in his mouth, but you know. That's can I ask right. you a follow up question real quick? Yes, you may. Okay, so here, okay, here's here's my follow up question. Do you think that Cardell Jones and J T Barrett would have been co starters, or that Cardell would have had the advantage had um, Tom Herman stayed at Ohio State? That's a great question, actually. Um, I think that Tom Herman likes his quarterbacks to run a little bit more than than yeah. maybe Urban does, and maybe that than Ed Warner and, and Tim Beck do. So maybe uh, that's a good point. I think maybe Tom Herman was around. Maybe J T would have the edge. See, that's what I think too. I think that too, and not—I mean, they're both you know, Texas boys and whatever. But like, I, I think that that's basically what my point was. That I think Ed Warner calling more of the shots, and I do agree that Ermeyer wants to see these guys wing it out. I, I think that's probably what gave Cardell maybe the slight edge. I mean, not that alone, but I think that definitely helped. Mm-hmm. So that's that's very interesting to me, and I, I agree. I mean, it's it's at this point it's right or die with Cardell, and I think he's going to get it worked out. He's he's showing an improvement. I mean, he had almost 300 yards of passing last game. Like I think he's he's starting to work those kinks out, and that's that's good. That's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, next next question comes from Brandon Elliott. Do you think resting all the stars this spring and fall played a ton of snaps last year? Who played ton of snaps last year led to the slow start this year? I do not. I, I think that most of the guys who rested in the spring were hurt and then had yeah. to rest. Guys like JT, you know, he had he had the, the foot, and and also um, uh, Dontre Wilson was out. Joey Bosa had a boot on for a while, and, you know, Braxton obviously couldn't practice. So, I mean, most of the guys that sat, sat because they had to sit. Uh, and Do you think that played a factor in their slow start this no, year? No, because I think... Most of them, if not all of them, were ready to go by fall camp, and I think once you're once you're into it by fall camp, those these guys have been through the wars. So it's not like you know spring ball is spring ball. You 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 yeah, get spring ball is for determining backups basically, right? Think, like you're looking yeah. at depth chart. I, I think you install some things in the spring, but I think if you're there and you're watching and you get you're getting mental reps as they call them, I think you're right. okay as long as you've you know been there before. As long as you're ready to go by fall camp, you have plenty of time to really get ready and get in shape and. And I, I don't think that's an issue. I think the offensive line played in the spring, and that was one of the most discombobulated groups, really. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I, I don't know that it played that much of a an impact, and I, I agree that if you're in there for fall camp and you've got a month to get ready, I don't know that you can really blame anything on like what happened in spring. Um, all right, so moving on, we we got Gregory Metz, our, our very loyal listener, Gregory Metz. He sent in some questions this week. Uh, first one. I really enjoy this question. Uh, one, a listener asked a question about New Edition, which I've never heard of. Well, that's that's two of us. Uh, it did make me think of the TV show Early Edition, the show where the guy gets the newspaper a day early and tries to prevent disasters from occurring, uh, which I liked to watch when I was younger. 
Are either of you familiar with the show and like it, Michael? I am not familiar, but that is an awesome concept, and like I would actually now like to go watch it. Okay, I am incredibly familiar with this show. I have probably seen every episode of Early Edition. Um, like who was in it? Like, the was there any cat. star? What? Who was the star? Kyle Chandler. Oh, really? Yeah, Kyle Chandler. It was like his. It was his first like big time starring vehicle. I think it was on CBS. It like aired before uh, Touched by an Angel or something. Like, what time time period are we talking about? We're talking like mid to late nineties. Okay, so I was I was working in hockey. I wasn't seeing a whole lot of uh, TV then. I was yeah, like, I worked a lot of nights, so um, that's why. But yeah, I love Kyle Chandler. I, I have to check that out though. It's it's a it's kind of a maudlin show. It's a little it's a little weird. It's not like it's not as cool as I think it could be. Like you know, they have a lot of these like story of the week type things. Yeah. But I really enjoyed it as like an eleven or twelve year old or whenever I was you know or however old I was I was watching it when I watched it. And he's got this, like, slimy kind of friend who's always trying to, like, play the lotto a day early, but he always ends up getting screwed out of money somehow. <laughs> and there's a cat that comes with it, with it, and there was, like, some, like, backstory with a cat um, and some guy who got the early edition before he did. And I don't know. It's, it is a, a great concept for a TV show, and I actually think it's something that could work really well in 2015. But I, I watch that show all the time. I remember one specific episode about a guy who thought he was Bat Masterson, which I thought was really hilarious. And he had a blind friend, and he owned a bar, and it was a great show. And everybody should watch Early Edition, even though it's, like, super sappy and, and probably pretty stupid yeah. at this point. Probably has not aged really well, but I don't care. You should watch it. Yeah, I'm going to check it out. Um, yeah, it's good. All right, number two. Uh, when watching zombie movies or TV shows, I'm always fascinated by the societal response during the initial outbreak. What's the most interesting part of these stories for the both of you, Michael? Yeah, I think for me, like right now, we're just we're five sixths of the way through Fear the Walking Dead, right? So yeah. it's it's set in yes, I don't know, I don't. It's yeah, set I don't in Los Angeles, and it's like this. It's the same concept as the Walking Dead, except you're supposedly getting to see more of what happens, you know, as society breaks down. But they they glossed over like nine days, and in that nine days, that was like probably the most important part of the show that we're, and we're never going to get to see it because they glossed over and yada, yada, yada it. But right. um, yeah, for me, that's the exciting part is to see how does, how does society exactly break down? When does the power grid go down? How does the, you know, what's the last broadcast? Are there, are there people out there with the ham radios trying to keep people informed and you know, how, <laughs> how is, how are, you know, are, are, are people just like go, do they go lawless immediately? Do they sort of slowly erode into that? You know, how, how long does it take for people to go absolutely, you know, outlaw and that kind of thing? So, yeah, that's the most interesting thing to me. I mean, other than that, it's just avoiding the, the, the dead people trying to eat you. <laughs> yeah, I look, I, I got to be fully honest. I do not like zombie movies. Um, it's not that I like, I don't know, I take that back. There's a couple zombie movies I like. I just think the genre itself is incredibly played out. Like, I'm done with them. I think the last kind of really relevant thing that that genre had to say was Shaun of the Dead, and that to me was kind of its swan. That was that was its Unforgiven, right? Like that was kind of the last one that I really think had much to say about zombies in general. And I'm just I'm kind of over it. And here's the thing that I would say about like the societal collapse and whatever. To me, what's scary is not zombies. Don't scare me really in any way. Like they don't they don't freak me out. But what does scare me are like realistic scenarios and stuff. And there is a really good movie, in my opinion, called Contagion, uh, which it's like a it's a Steven Soderbergh movie uh, with Matt Damon, and uh-huh. which is interesting because he was no that was Brad Pitt with World War Z, but anyway, yeah. it's essentially about like a 
like a really fast spreading um like illness like a virus that kills like people all over the place and and Matt Damon plays a guy who is just by luck immune um and he watches society just completely fall apart around him and for me that that is a thousand more times more terrifying than like a bunch of zombies running down it is it's, so it's, it's really it. scary in fact like the the way Kate Winslet you know what happens to her character yeah oh back. my god where she oh geez. yeah, yeah her it's really it is a good movie and it you know that's like some kind of this weird hybrid bat pig flu kind of thing right which well look i mean ebola comes from bat droppings like contaminated food with bat droppings and people like spread it you know through contact and whatnot so it's it was really scientifically i mean obviously they're inventing a disease for a movie but in terms of like how it could happen is is incredibly realistic so i that to me is is more interesting i think than than the zombies um that's just me um, and then we're going we're gonna to wrap up Ask Us Anything with a philosophical question of the week from Gregory. All right. And he said he almost threw in the towel this week, but he came up with something. Does sadness slash evil have to exist for there to be happiness or good? Uh, I don't think so. I think you just don't realize how good good is until you have something that balances it out. I think I think things yeah. can be, you can be happy and good and just not know any different, really. <laughs> Uh, so as we said, oftentimes in this on this dubcast, you know, you take the good with the bad, and there you have the facts, facts of, of life. life. That's right. Um, I I agree, Michael. I think I think saying that sadness evil uh, for there to be happiness good that's that's a false dichotomy. You don't you don't need to have like happiness exists on a spectrum. Okay, there is no just like off and on switch for happiness, right? So for me, I, I think it's definitely a shared human experience that has lots of you know, gray area to it. I don't think there has to be evil or there to be good. It just depends on whatever state of being you happen to be in. So how yeah. about that? <laughs> there doesn't there uh, doesn't have to be a Jim Harbaugh for there to be a Jim Trestle. That's right. I completely agree with that. Uh, and thank you for bringing that back to football. So uh, that is Ask Us Anything. Thanks, you guys, for writing in. And uh, we'll, we'll definitely keep taking those questions. Joining us tonight, as he does every week, and we are, of course, very grateful to have this analysis. Because I tell you something, me and Michael are casual fans of football. Uh, I don't believe Michael that you ever achieved uh, the the level of football that Matt Finkus did. Uh, if you did, did you play football, uh, Michael? I've played football. I've never played collegiate football. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to tell you something. I I played soccer and swimming, neither of which is too terrible, uh, terribly like football. I've, so had, I've never very... been in an NFL training camp or anything. <laughs> well, then I am grateful for Matt Ficus for coming on and doing Ficus on football because I don't know how to relate the breaststroke to like the three techniques. So it would be tough. Really glad you're on. It would be tough, yes. Yes, um, really glad you're on. And I, I want to ask you a couple things about the last game. I actually I had the dreaded wedding. Oh uh, the God! Fall wedding, fall wedding. To interfere with this, but I was able to revisit the game. Okay. Uh, I was able to go back, which is good. And one of the things that I was kind of curious about is. Uh, the linebacking play. And and some people were kind of complaining about it, saying the guys got caught up in the wash and whatnot. What were some of the things that Western Michigan was able to do to have some success early, uh, particularly on the ground, which I don't think people really expected? Yeah, I think that if you watch that game, there were definitely some uh, adjustments made in the linebacking play. Uh, there were um, – the best way that I can describe it is they were, they were displacing linebackers by formation. Yeah. And then – running the football up the middle, which causes a problem because you saw these linebackers come running in, you know, at the last second, once they realized, once they read their keys and it's a run key, <clears throat> now you're running into the box 
to try to get in on that run play, but you're not in a good position to. You're displaced. You're out in space. You know, there, there's there's not a way to to fit into your gap very well from that that uh, point of view. So, so you're kind of like panicking and just running into the play and hoping. Yeah, I mean you, that, that's basically it. I mean, what they were doing was was displacing a linebacker, and you know, I mean. Kudos to to them. You know what we're doing here with uh, with the athleticism of Darren Lee, and uh, allows us to play in you know all the linebackers. Uh, you know Josh Perry and and Raquan McMillan. Their athleticism allows us to to keep three linebackers on the field almost all the time. And sometimes you know one of them will move down, and 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 you know you see Darren Lee being a rush end. But what Western Michigan did was you know use that to their advantage early on and set up a formation where the linebackers had to be displaced. They were out of the box and then run the football up the middle where they had numbers. And our guys had to run back in and try to make run fits. Now you saw a little bit later on where we made some adjustments. We made some changes. We dropped a safety down. We played in single high coverage and that allows those linebackers to stay inside and stay in the box. And that wasn't quite as effective. Also, when you get down, you can't run the ball up the middle very much, but I mean, it was, it, you know, it's, Ohio state. I mean, and this is what, what fans are going to have to realize. And it's going to be frustrating. I mean, it really is every team especially teams that can't beat us physically and that's 90 percent of the uh, of the teams that we're going to play they're going to try to do something to make ohio state have to get out of their comfort zone they're going to come up with a gimmick formation they're going to run the ball when they throw the ball 90 percent of the time they're going to do something out of the ordinary because they know that they just can't line up and run their offense and beat us i mean it's just it's, it's just a fact, right. and the, coachings, the coaches know that. And so you're going to get defenses uh, lined up against our offense that you don't normally see. You're going to get offenses lined up our, against our defenses that you don't normally see. You're going to get uh, erratic play calling. You're probably going to get some trick plays. You're going to get some guys that are going to take chances because that's the only way people are going to be able to compete with our athleticism, especially these games you know, coming up here until you get into to, you know, a little bit better of the Big Ten schedule. I mean, and even then, you're probably talking Michigan State, and I don't think defensively they can line up and do what they like to do. They just don't have the horses this year. They just, they've lost too much in the linebacking core and in the secondary to line up and play the way they've been. So they might even try a little something with, uh, with Narduzzi gone and Mark Snyder coming in. So, you know, it's frustrating as a fan. I, I understand that. But, you know, it is what it is. I mean, these are, this is what teams are going to do. You know, Central Michigan isn't going to come in and say, we're going to dictate our pace and we're going to run our offense and we're going to beat Ohio State. I mean, that's dumb. I mean, that's just stupid. <laughs> Although, the, you know, P.J. Fleck might have said that to him. Who knows? He was the worst right. pregame speech I've ever heard. Horseshoe with <laughs> horse foot. I mean, what what the hell was that? But teams aren't yeah. going to do that. We're, we're not going to get that from teams. And, and, and we just need to get used to it. And we need to be able to, to, to kind of hang on to see what they're going to do to make the adjustments needed and then go out and, and win the game with our physicality. But that's going to happen. I mean, it's, it's, we're going to be in bad situations early on in games because of that, because every team that we play is going to try to do that. And if they're not, they're not trying. I mean, let's be honest. If, right. if Indiana comes out and says, we're just going to be physically better than Ohio State, that's, that's crazy <laughs> talk. You know, I mean, it's, and, right. and, you know, Kevin Wilson isn't that dumb. So he's trying to come up with a game plan that he can score some points. And, you know, every team's goal that, that, that plays Ohio State, and this is what Ohio State has to battle against, every team's goal is to just be in it in the fourth quarter against us. It's, it's to not be getting blown out. It's to be in it again. In, in, you're playing the number one team in the nation. You're playing the defending national champs. You're playing, you know, the, uh, 
Ezekiel Elliott and Braxton Miller and, and Michael Tom and, and all these guys and Joey Bosa and Darren Leon. I mean, the names are, are out there. So every team is going to come in with the mentality and all these coaching staffs are coming in with the mentality of get us, get us within a touchdown in the fourth quarter. And let's see what happens. Let's see if they crack. Let's see if there's something. So whatever we've got to do, whether it's gimmicky, whether it's outside of our normal offense, whether it's outside of our normal defense, can we get to the fourth quarter within a touchdown? And then who knows what can happen? And I think you're going to see that that philosophy play out a lot on opposing teams this year. Matt, um, so a lot of what we saw was, you know, obviously the runs up the middle and, and, you know, some pretty chunk yardage for, for Western Michigan. Can you assess the, the the play of the interior line and Raekwon in the middle uh, at the middle linebacker spot? Yeah, I mean, it, you're putting him in a tough position. I mean, and, and that's what it is. You know, I went back and I'm watching the film, and you know, it's not that Raekwon was not fitting properly on his run fit. You know, he had a gap. He his he was playing it off the correct shoulder, and he was there. It's like I said, the, the linebacker that he bounced the ball to. And, you know, you can still bounce the ball on an inside run. It doesn't have to go out to the sideline. You know, you bounce the ball into a cutback hole, and that linebacker isn't there. You know, they wall off the outside defensive end. They make, you know, the three technique. And, and a lot of times, you know, Ohio State will do this uh, will do this 2-3 tech form, uh, formation uh, on the defensive front to, to, to try to isolate and to try to, to, to put pressure on those tackles to, to not be able to double-team, to not let that guard go out and double-team a Joey Bosa. So when you do that and you play a predominantly passing team and you're expecting them to throw the ball and not run the ball up the middle with a fullback who has, you know, seven carries in his career, then, you know, you, you're playing the percentages there. You're playing the odds. It's not necessarily that, you know, someone wasn't doing their job. It's that you're, you're, as a defensive staff and a defense, you're playing the odds that this team is going to throw the football. We know we've got two pretty good rush defensive ends. Joey Bosa is, is a beast. And Tyquan Lewis had a game of his life last week, and so I'm sure they saw that on film. So we line up with two, three techniques or outside shades on those guards, so those guards aren't allowed to go out and, and help on the double team with one of those defensive ends, and it leaves the center kind of on an island, and it's hard for him to get out and, and double team a, uh, a defensive end with a tackle. So it's, it's, it's all theory. It's all kind of a chess match so it's not necessarily that guys weren't fitting right it's that the defense was called to a percentage of what western michigan normally does and western michigan did something different and and people had to adjust yeah well and i I think that's that's probably going to be the mo of like you said most teams this year against ohio state um and speaking of which how do you expect indiana you know ohio state's going on the road to bloomington road being in quotation marks but how do you expect Indiana to kind of try to approach, like, attacking Ohio State or just, like, letting Ohio State come to them and, and like you said, kind of hang into it till the uh, fourth quarter? Well, you know, Kevin, Kevin's coaching for his job over there. I mean, and, and, and he right. – I mean, this, this needs to be a good showing for Indiana. And I, I think that he's going to come out. He's got a very specific offensive philosophy, and I don't expect him to deviate that much from it. Um, you know, maybe they take some chances on the defensive end. The last couple of years, they've been able to score pretty well on Ohio State. Now, you know, you had a running back who's actually a star in the NFL over at Indiana uh, last year, so so that played a big factor. But um, I, I think that you're going to see Indiana uh, maybe take some chances on the offensive end, and, and, and you know, they – 
they don't have that superstar running back anymore. So, so maybe it's with some odd formations and trying to get some, some good matchups, uh, what they consider good matchups. But I expect him to take uh, chances on the defensive end as well. I, I think that, uh, you know, Cardell Jones still hasn't been – um, he hasn't been playing great. He's, he's, you know, I mean, and and I don't think it's necessarily Cardell Jones's fault. I mean, he's played he played six quarters going into last week's game. If you add it all up, I mean, going into game four, you played six quarters. That's not a recipe for success for someone who has three starts to their to their name in their entire career. So as he gets better, or as he gets more reps, I think that he will get better. You know, we we started to see him feel more comfortable. But I wouldn't be surprised if Indiana takes some chances defensively, tries to blitz, tries to you know do some different things and, and, and find some some weakness in that uh, offensive line, which is which has been kind of shaky so far this year, and, and they've been, you know, they've struggled at times, not necessarily picking up the blitz, but but just kind of across the board. So I, I expect Indiana to, to, to come at them defensively with some with some different looks. I think on the offensive end, they feel comfortable enough doing what they do there that I don't think that they're going to try to get out of their game plan too much. You know, I mean, they, they, their their objective is to try to score a lot of points to run a you know, run a fast-paced offense and, and get the ball to the edges, and, and, and that's what they do. That's what Kevin Wilson has done. So I don't see them trying to change that much. If they're going to take chances, they're going to try to take it on the defensive side of the ball. Well, Matt, I, seriously, thank you so much for coming on tonight. Uh, we, uh, I'm really, you know, excited to see how the rest of the, the year plays out. I know a lot of people have been kind of like, I don't know, trepidatious about the way things have played out just because of the quarterback situation and whatnot, but I personally think that the evolution is what's interesting, right? Like, well, yeah. you see, I mean, like, it, it, you know, here's the thing that people don't realize. People are judging Ohio State this year off the three games that they finished the season with last year. Right, and that exactly. is that is not the real Ohio State. That, that was a great run, and believe me, we all enjoyed it and drank a lot of beer and cheered on our team <laughs> and had a good time. But that was not the real Ohio State. I mean, that was three games playing, you know, I mean – Yes, playing very, yeah, playing very well and, and overcoming a lot of turnovers. I mean, go back to that Alabama. I mean, you had three turnovers against Alabama. You had four turnovers in the first half against Oregon, and still somehow won that game by twenty points. I mean, that just doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't happen, you know, right. with the caliber of team. So I think people need to need to take all this with a grain of salt. This is again every year in college football is a work in progress. There's turnover. There's different, you know, there's coaching turnover. There's different philosophy. There's player turnover. It takes a little time to get going. And don't forget, last year against Indiana, we were losing going into the fourth quarter. Right. The mighty, mighty Ohio State national champions were losing to Indiana going into the fourth quarter last year. So let's all just calm down a little bit. It, you know, we don't need to be number one now. That's the other thing I hear all the time. Well, Ohio State isn't the number one team. I don't care if we're the number one team right now. They don't hand out trophies in October. So we need to just get better each week and keep progressing, get the quarterback comfortable with the wide receivers. I think we need to get Braxton back in the slot and running routes, which he seemed to really excel at that first week. Stop trying to do all the, all the fancy stuff with him. When he lines up back there in the single back, you know, I mean, you got safeties dropping down the box and everything else. You just have to get back to, to, to improving every week, and everything's going to be okay. And Ohio State fans need to stop trying to stop losing their minds every five seconds when we don't <laughs> score a touchdown on every possession. I mean, it just what happened last year in those three games was great, but it will probably never happen again in college football to any other team in our lifetime. I mean, <laughs> and that's, no one's well, going to have right, that three-game run like we had. I mean, we, we right. probably never see that again. 
Right, and that's something to, like, take pride in, you know? Like, I, I think, you know, again, the expectation is if it happened once, it should always happen, and, and you're absolutely right. Like, I think that's not a fair expectation. And it, what what bothers me sometimes is that people don't want to admit or acknowledge that football teams change immensely from the beginning of September to the end of November. Like, they're not the same teams. Oh, absolutely. And we like to assume that they are. We like to, like, make predictions and things based off of the fact, like, oh, well, somebody beat somebody else in September. Who cares? That doesn't matter. Like, the evolution of the team is what's interesting to me, and I, I think this is really a fascinating season because of that. So I really appreciate you saying that. <laughs> yeah, I um, mean, I, I think people just need to calm down a little bit. It's all going to be okay. Yeah, chillax. I agree. Yeah, chillax. <laughs> we're, playing without, we're playing with house money. Exactly. I, yes. That's a great way to put it. Well, Matt, thank you so much for coming on. We'll definitely have you on next week, and and that's Ficus on Football. Thanks, man. Oh, pleasure, guys. Talk to you next week. Okay, joining us tonight, we are really, really lucky to have C.J. Barnett, uh, former Ohio State defensive back, legend, uh, incredibly popular player. We're really glad to have you on, man. Thanks for coming on. Oh, thanks for the kind words, man. Thanks for having me. Well, I got to say something. I mean, you were were definitely a fan favorite while you were here, and, and part of that is because of your play your toughness, like that, that's something that I think Ohio State fans in general really, really respect. Um, one of the things that I kind of want to ask you about was being defensive back in general. And it seems like the last several years at Ohio State, we've gotten really lucky with guys who have been hard-nosed, played really intelligently, and gotten done what needs to get done on the field. What, what about that position? What, what, what is required to be really good at that position? Like, What kind of things mentally and physically do you need to play that position well? Um, I think the first part is the mentality. And like you said, kind of that hard nose, uh, that tough mentality that, you know, you're willing to stick your nose in there. Um, I think that's one of the most important things. But also uh, being a leader and just, uh, you know, being very smart, knowing knowing, knowing the game and um, being a student of the game, I think, helps you excel at that position. You know, CJ, one of the things that we've seen over the, the course of, of the last, you know, decade or so is this proliferation of the, the, the spread passing offenses, very prolific offenses. And what I'm interested to know from you is, like, it, it, when you're back there in the defensive backfield, you're looking it in, how many things do you actually have to, to notice pre-snap to be able to, like, figure out what's going on, what the other team's going to try to do? Um. That's a that's a good question, man. Um, I mean, a lot of it comes from uh, you know practice and kind of getting the game plan together. And coaches do a great job, especially at Ohio State, of um, kind of helping the players limit what they have to look at and what they um, have to focus in on. Um, but it's tough, um, you know. The day and age of um, you know teams lining up and getting eye formation and kind of ramming down your throat are done. It's more uh, kind of how our offense is, where you have just tons of weapons of Braxton's and Curtis Samuels and all these guys that are heck of crazy athletes and you know you're out there trying to defend all of these guys. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of, I mean, to be honest, you know, coaches do a great job. You know, Coach Fickle and I know we have some new coaches there that are uh, doing a great job and handling that. But man, it's really tough uh, being a defender these days. Well, you know what? I kind of want to ask you about those coaches a little bit. Um, you played in a period of time with Ohio State where the program was in a lot of transition, like a lot of flux. Mm-hmm. And I guess what I want to ask you about is what was that like? What was the transition from having multiple coaches, multiple defensive coaches? What was that like? What, what kind of things that you had to adjust to as that all went down? 
Um, I think it's a very unique experience. Um, and I think all the guys that were in my class that kind of went through the same thing um, probably would agree. Um, going from Coach Trestle and, and and when you're in college uh, and those guys recruit you and everything, I mean, you go there um, right. not only for the program but for the coach. And, you know, Coach Trestle recruited me, and um, I went there for, you know, Ohio State, but also because Coach Trestle was a great coach, leader, um, and I felt that he would take care of me through my years. Um, with that unfortunate, you know, incidents that went down and him stepping down and then Coach Fickle coming in, um, which Coach Fickle did a great job. Um, but it's kind of a transition there and then um, having to go through Coach Meyer. And, you know, we were, we, you know, were very fortunate at Ohio State to have, you know, three great guys and figures that were able to, um, you know, keep the program rolling. And I know we had a, you know, had an off year going six and seven, but I mean, she's, we were, you know, we lost 100% of our offense. So, um, right. you know, that was tough. But um, it's been unique in the fact that you go from one end of the spectrum, you know, from Coach Trussell to the whole totally, you know, different end of the spectrum than Coach Meyer. <laughs> um, yeah. the, way that, the way that they coach, uh, it's very different, but, you know, both are excellent and great coaches. I think Coach Trestle went, went into the Hall of Fame um, just last week or something like that. Um, so, uh, yeah, we were fortunate to have great coaches. CJ, the you brought up, the you know, the, the transition, uh, you know, with Coach Fickle in between um, Trestle and Meyer. How important was that for you guys on the team in, in terms of, of keeping guys together, keeping guys from transferring and all of that? I mean, how big a deal was that for you guys? Um, I think it was huge. Um, so the thing is that, you know, Coach Fickle um, started his coaching career with Coach Trestle. So he kind of, that was what he knew. Um, but the way that Coach Fickle, you know, coaches and his intensity is kind of that of Coach Myers. Um, so he had, he, he came in and he ran the program, you know, how Coach Trestle did, but he had that intensity that Coach Meyer did. So that kind of made the transition a little different. Now, Coach Meyer's intensity, I don't think anybody matches that. But um, <laughs> it kind of eased the pro- – I can't even say eased the process, man. It was, it was a crazy process. <laughs> but, um, it helped us have an idea. And he even, um, you know, he you know, he was he was, he was kind of like have us conscious of, you know, of that. So um, that definitely helped. And I think Coach, Coach Fickle did a great job of um, – letting us know, you know, that it's not all about, you know, who's coaching us. It's about the program. It's about, you know, the guys that we're there with. Um, so that, that kind of helped us um, understand, of, you know, who we're playing for and what's important. And I think that that was, a, you know, a, a, that played a big deal in guys staying and uh, sticking it out. You know, one of the things I want to ask you about, this year the team was supposed to be like this great offensive powerhouse, right? They're just going to steamroller everybody. And it seems like the defense, especially defensive backs, have kind of like stepped up and, and they've been the real strength of the team. What's making them play so good? Why, from your perspective, like what are they doing that's like so right to, to kind of keep that kind of ball rolling? Um, from what I can see, and, uh, you know, it's, it's unfortunate I, I work uh, – work on Saturday, so I um, try to catch the games or different people when I can, but from what I see, yeah. man, they're having fun out there. That's the biggest thing. Um, it seems like the game is, you know, the game plan is pretty simple. Um, I know that they had defensive uh, scheme changes, um, and just from looking at last year, it's a little bit more simple, which allows the guys to, you know, play more free and to not have so many worries and 
be able to have fun. Um, they look really fast out there. And I know, you know, my boys Tyrus and, and Von Bell are, you know, <laughs> doing a, a heck of a job. Um, you know, I, I see Tyrus out there, you know, being a leader out there. And I just see Von um, just making crazy plays, man. Both of those kids are, are you know, greatly athletic, uh, um, greatly talented, and they're definitely um, fulfilling, you know, what they're supposed to be doing. Um but yeah, I mean, we're just a dominant defense. Our, our defensive line is, you know, you have freaking Joey Bosa on there, so and that's kind of right. right there. You got D.D., uh, Adolphus Washington having picks. This is a, it's crazy <laughs> going out there, man. So um, it's really, it's really, it's really fun to watch. Um, especially, you know, there was a tough, a rough patch of, you know, the defense kind of giving up yards. So um, now it's really good to see that the Silver Bullet uh, defense is. Um, living up to what they're supposed to be. I think they're like number two or four or something in the nation. And um, in offense, man, you know, we have so much firepower. I know we have high expectations, um, but they're going to get it clicking. I mean, it's 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 offense. So when that gets rolling, you got to watch out. Well, CJ, you played at, you know safety at a, at a very high level, and and you know we you mentioned Tyvis Powell and and Von Bell, and, and you went on to to you know NFL rookie camps and that kind of thing. When you look at, at Powell and Bell and their ability, what do you see in terms of their future? I think their their future uh, has no limit, man. Um, you know, a kid like uh, Titus Powell and, and, and Coach Meyer, um, so this whole time we were there, I mean, he is a freaking athletic beast. I mean, he's <laughs> like 6'2", six, 6'3", six, um, very, very fast, very athletic. Um, if he can get his the mental part of the game down, um, in, in all the little nuances of the game, um, like I said, his he has no no limit. And then Von Bell is just a special a special kid. Um, the thing that sticks out to me in Von Bell is his confidence and his ball his ball skills. Uh, I remember when he came there as a little freshman, he was talking about the Von Bell Academy, uh, teaching. He was even teaching me how to catch the ball. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> Um, he, uh, those two kids are, um, are very talented and they work very well together. You know, one of the things I'm really glad, uh, I get to talk to you about this because this is one of the things that I really wanted to ask, uh, some of the more recent players is I, you know, we're finally kind of out of September. We're going to big 10 play. What in your opinion is the most intimidating or exciting away venue to, to play in? Penn state. No question. Um, Everybody asking that. Um, everybody at work, uh, speaking of work, shout out to Byers Mazda Subaru. Go get your car. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's totally cool, dude. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but nah, uh, everybody asking that question, and uh, without a doubt, it's Penn State. I remember um, my freshman year going up there and um, watching, you know, guys like Kirk Coleman and Dane Sandsbacher and Devere Posey and them play, and uh, just kind of, you know, me being a little freshman, wet behind the ears and. Uh, going to that environment where they had the whiteout and everything, it was a night game. It's a little bit intimidating. And then, you know, playing in is a different story. And it's um, one of the lot of stadiums that I've played in. And, um, I mean, it's Penn State. So, that's, you know, they carry great history. And, um, you know, that's always a pretty good game for the most part. So, that that venue um, is probably the, you know, the, the toughest to play in and the most exciting to play in as a four away. See, awesome. Well, thank. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Mike. I was just going to ask before we we let you go. I, I wanted. I was curious to know what your first interaction with Urban Meyer was. How did that go? And and what was that like? 
Woo, first interaction with Urban Meyer. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you know, Urban Meyer is Urban Meyer. So I, I guess the first time that I ever met Urban Meyer or whatever, um, is they came there, um, what, in 2011 or 12, one of those years, um, before he was our coach, I mean, when he was working at the radio, um, you know, just like, oh, hey, Urban Meyer, like, awesome, like, you're like a legend, hey, what's up? Um, and, you know, <laughs> little me was. Um, but the the most memorable uh, interaction with Coach Meyer that I had from the start was um, having us outside at 5 o'clock in the morning um, in, like, 20-degree weather doing up-downs and lunges and all kinds of just crazy stuff. Um, it was kind of that break-in, that break-the-team-down break-in period. Um, and that's when I knew that, you know, he was he was the real deal. Nice. That's awesome. Well, seriously, CJ, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, and, and thank you so much for the insight, too. Like, really appreciate having that, you know, that uh, – that information from people we don't normally get to talk to. So that's really cool, man. Oh, yeah. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. Well, that was the 11 Dubcast. Thanks again to Matt Finkus and, of course, C.J. Barnett. Yay! Uh, yay! Both former Ohio State greats. And I, I really appreciate them coming on and, and talking some football with us. Michael, I appreciate you talking to me in my incredibly, like, lethargic state tonight. So thank you for putting up with that. I appreciate talking uh, to you. Yeah, well, let me tell you something. So I have I have a question for you, as as we typically do. Right. And my question for you is this: uh, recently, um, our good friend Lane Kiffin was rumored to have an alias, and, and this this the story is probably not in any way true. Okay, it probably has no real, you know, factual basis. But I wanted to ask you, what is your favorite alias for a sports player? Apparently, like or like a secret name for something on the side because like you know like a secret weird name that that a sports uh person might have so in in Kevin's case Joey Freshwater was his <laughs> um hmm first of all i hope that that story was true i hope every word of it I was really, true <laughs> and i hope that it's true because it confirms everything that we think that Lane Kevin is yes. uh which is why i'm inclined to believe it's not true just because it's just too good but i also want it to be true yes. very bad um, an alias like that has that I've heard of, or that I'm just gonna make up off the top of my head. No, 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 <laughs> alias that people have used. So like Ron Mexico, for example. Yes, I like Ron Mexico. Ron Mexico is, really is a phenomenal um, nickname, and it you know what it reminded me of was when uh, James Spader was on The Office and he was Robert California. <laughs> <laughs> I want to tell you something. Uh, the Office, uh, Michael Schur being the big-time sports guy that he is, probably wrote that uh, name for that exact reason. So I think that's that's a pretty good one. I, I like, and I'll, sometimes I'll, like, that'll be my alias, and I'll say, they'll say, uh, hey, you know, you'll just meet somebody, and they'll just, like, you know, ever meet, like, overly friendly people? And they yeah. all of a sudden they want to tell you everything about themselves. You're, like, you're like <laughs> behind them in line at the at the supermarket or something. And then right. they start gabbing, and like, oh, hi, I'm, uh, I'm Bob. And I'm like, yeah, hey, Robert California. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm Ron Mixon. And I just hope that they haven't seen The Office, but nobody's caught me, called me on it yet. So, um, Nice. I, I don't know. I, I think um, I think Joey Freshwater is so amazing 
It's really good. It, it's so hard to top. I mean, I, I don't even know where you would even start to top that. It, I, you know, it would be. Well, a, here, here's another. It doesn't necessarily. So here's my thing. Here's what I was thinking because okay. I was thinking of like other weird, like for instance, um, you know, I'm a Reds fan, right? Yes, you are. And which is really unfortunate <laughs> for me this season, but. One of the things that I liked was uh, all the weird nicknames and stuff that people talk about, and just kind of weird things like people make up, like Farney, for example. Ryan Friel was a player who unfortunately tragically died, but he had a weird, like, imaginary friend named Farney that he would talk about. My favorite, though, all time, and this, to me, is probably the most underrated, I feel like we should still be talking about it, frankly, is Manti Teo's fake girlfriend, uh, Lene Kikua, <laughs> who... Who, in my opinion, like, to me, like, first of all, the story itself is completely insane. And I also really like just the name. It just rolls off the tongue. Like, it makes you want to believe that, that she existed yeah. and really died tragically. So. Yes, it's, it's a it's a hard-to-believe that it's made-up name, you know? It's like, yeah. it's, it's, it's ultra-specific. It's like, you know... It's not as fun as Ron Mexico, no. but... Or or Joey Freshwater, but those but are more still, obvious. Uh, really, that's really your name, kind of thing, yeah. you know. And like I'm checking into a hotel, so nobody knows that I'm Lane Kiffin, you know. I remember I used to have a. Uh, this isn't football related, but it's it's sports related. I used to have a uh, you know a basketball uh, hoop out in my driveway, as a lot of yeah. kids in Ohio do, and I used to just be out there and and I would I would put myself on my favorite team, which was Boston Celtics, because uh, John Havlicek. Ohio State, so uh, so I had an you know an affinity for the Celtics because I played for the Celtics at the YMCA as a six year old, and that just kind of Ooh. left an imprint. And then I found out, oh, their best player is from Ohio State, so yes, they're my team. And right. um, so I would be like Boston Celtics uh, number ninety nine, basketball Jones, and I. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so I would go out and I would pretend Got those basketball I, Jones. I would pretend I was basketball Jones, and I would you know be playing with with Havlicek and those guys. So. Um, so that was my sports alias. I'm going to call you Basketball Jones for now on. Yeah. Um, my sports alias was actually Johnny Blue Socks because I wore blue socks to soccer practice a lot, and they just decided to call me that one day, which right. is incredibly stupid, as most nicknames are. Uh, so thank you, Michael, for indulging my ridiculous question. <laughs> and thank you, for listeners, for listening. Uh, and, of course, thanks again to C.J. Barnett and Matt Finkus for coming on and, and we'll see you guys next week as we dissect the utter destruction that we're about to rain on Bloomington, Indiana. Yeah, peace out. Peace.